one I had often used myself, asking the patient to describe himself in the third person. But knowing just what Sepp was up to didn't make me feel any better about misleading him. Despite the Dr. Gillespie exterior, Sepp was essentially a soft touch who had hired me two years before on the strength of my resume, with few questions asked about why someone in my seemingly enviable position would suddenly decide to quit and start all over. In the months that followed, I repaid the favor by doing everything possible to challenge the wisdom of his decision, and while I wasn't technically responsible for the events that brought us together that afternoon, I still thought I owed him something better. I sneaked another pass at my watch. It was nearing 4 p.m. and a shift change when the hospital corridors would take on the urgency of a big-game stampede. I figured most of the people rushing for the door would pretend not to see me, but a few brave souls, stirred by sympathy or a sense of fair play, would stop to ask how I was doing. The thought of being trapped in one of these exchanges was enough to make me volunteer for group therapy, so I gamely forged ahead. Very well. Our subject today, let's call him Patient M., is a 47-year-old male employed as a clinical psychiatrist at a large urban teaching hospital. For the better part of a year, M. has been on leave of absence following the sudden onset of a rare medical condition, the effects of which are considered by most members of society, with the apparent exception of M.'s employer, to impose significant restraints on the patient's lifestyle and to require a prolonged period of adjustment and rehabilitation. I stopped and asked how I was doing so far. A little self-serving, but go on. Since that time, M. has secluded himself at home and avoided contact with the community at large, except when he is putting in appearances with his social worker or relearning how to cross a street. Although M. has been cooperating with his treatment regimen and is making steady forward progress, he has thus far resisted returning to work, insisting he needs more time to become accustomed to his new routines. M's immediate superior, here I nodded in Sepp's direction, while claiming to be sympathetic to M's circumstances, has imposed a deadline for said return that M considers both unrealistic and punitive. Sepp made a noise suspiciously like a snort, but didn't rein me in. M. has been referred to Chicago Kaiser Psychiatric Staff for evaluation of suspected malingering. Upon physical examination, M. is found to be in general good health, apart from a neuropathology of known origin that is anticipated to persist. I stopped again, feeling a familiar rise in my throat. How much longer do I have to keep this up? A little longer, Sepp said. To persist for the rest of M.'s life— M. is observed to speak candidly about his condition, to acknowledge its frustrations without hesitation or embarrassment, and to be at ease interacting with others who resist the impulse to treat him like a toddler. Fortunately for M., he did not choose surgery as a specialty, and with certain adaptations not relevant here should be able to resume the role of a treating physician once he and his superior have agreed upon a more suitable timetable. Done? Hardly. You haven't said anything about M's psychological factors. M denies he has any fears about coming back. You don't say. This wasn't going as well as I'd hoped. Okay, how's this then? When pressed, M admits he is experiencing some minor anxiety of a clinically insignificant nature.
Is that the best you can come up with? Jesus, Sep, I blurted out more loudly than I wanted to. Do I really have to spell it out for you? Good, you're getting angry. Is that what this is all about? I nearly shouted. Getting me to admit I'm not happy about this? I steadied myself and sniffed. I hope you're not going to start parroting that crap about the five stages of grief. No. But let me give you my differential diagnosis, so you'll understand why I'm not letting you off the hook. He paused, allowing me to locate the cane that had slipped from under my foot and rolled somewhere off to the side. I retrieved it and propped it against my shoulder, hoping the picture thus presented might lead to a less protracted sermon. He began on an uncharacteristically benign note. M came to this hospital two years ago with glowing recommendations and a solid record of publication.